Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here, and I'm excited to be sharing with you the third sermon of our Advent series, Waiting Well. Uh, Today we draw from Matthew chapter 11 and look a little bit more deeply into the story of John the Baptist. As he is in prison, uh, he sends his disciples to Jesus and says to him, Are you the one we're looking for? And uh, we go a little bit deeper into that. I want to make a quick note uh, before we get into the sermon. Um, I talk about uh, John the Baptist's legacy in this sermon and how um, he comes from a legacy uh, of childless people. And I use the term barren women um, as it is described throughout Scripture. And I want to be sensitive to that and acknowledge that uh, the term barren women um, applies the guilt and the burden on the women, especially in a time when we didn't have science and knowledge and information on uh, those who didn't have children. And in fact, it was a judgment and it was a way for people to keep women down and oppressed. And so I want to name that up front uh, while I do use barren women, uh, I'm trying to describe the legacy of how God shows up to those throughout Scripture uh, who have been childless. And so uh, uh, take that uh, for what it is worth and uh, check out the sermon as we look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. So we're making our way through Advent in this series we're calling Waiting Well. Advent from the Latin root for coming, arriving, and it it expands these uh, four weeks that are intended to be for us a time to prepare for, to anticipate for, to expect for the coming of Christ to this world, to wait for the embodiment of hope, joy, peace, and love. And we're about halfway through this season, and we're asking ourselves, what does it mean to wait well? Two weeks ago, we, we started this series, we, we, we started by naming that waiting well doesn't mean to just be sitting idly by it, it actually is active. Waiting well requires us to keep awake, and, and then last week, our interim youth coordinator, uh, Connor Walden, uh, challenged us to do the hard work of intentional self-reflection in our waiting, to, to not just wait for the sake of waiting, but to find those moments of breath, to find those moments of pause through the practice of Sabbath as we navigate our lives. And and today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about John the Baptist as we ask a, a, a nuanced question, why do we even wait? Why do we even wait? We don't actually know too much about John the Baptist from the gospel according to Matthew. In, in fact, we gotta get our backstory from Luke who, who tells us about his parents, about Zechariah and Elizabeth, his father and his mother. Zechariah is a priest. He was a righteous priest before God. He lived blamelessly. He followed all the commandments and the regulations of the Lord. And he and his wife, they're getting older in age. They're getting up in their years and they have no children because Elizabeth was barren. And if that sounds familiar to you, it should, because throughout Scripture, over and over and over again, we find this theme of women being barren, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel, Manoah and his wife, the parents of Samson, uh, Elkanah and Hannah, the parents of Samuel. And so as Zechariah is performing his duties as priest in the temple, we find that the angel encounters him and tells him that his prayers have been heard that his prayers for a child have been heard, that he and Elizabeth will have a son and they'll name him John 
And so we and the original intended audience of this gospel, we, we bring this story with us. We bring this miraculous birth of John with us as we hear these words from Matthew. Right, because Matthew's gospel picks up in Matthew chapter 3 many years later. John has already started in his ministry. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And we find him in the wilderness, dressed in camel's clothes with a leather belt. We, we find him eating a locust and wild honey. And, and he goes around the region, baptizing in the name of the one who was going to come. And we find these people committing their lives in a different way towards a different future. And even Jesus comes to be baptized by John. And John recognizes him as the Messiah, as the one they've been preparing for, the one for whom the heavens open up and the Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove. The voice from heaven says, Behold, my child, this is my son, the beloved, for whom I am well pleased. And this is where the story splits. Because we, we find Jesus' ministry launches from that moment, but we don't know what happens to John until our chapter 11 picks up all these years later. He's no longer in the wilderness. He's no longer baptizing in the Jordan River. The crowds are no longer coming to him. No, we find John in prison. And he's asking the one question that he above all others should know. Are you, Jesus, the one who is to come? Or should we be waiting for another? The context informs everything, right? Are we there yet is a different question when asked on the way to Disney World than it is when you're looking for a gas station as you watch that needle creep to E. Are you ready? It's different when an anesthesiologist asks you before you start counting down from 10 than when a friend or a partner asks you before you walk into a room to be surprised for your birthday. I love you. As you hold the hand of a dying loved one, I love you to your children or spouse or partner every morning, every night. John is now in prison. He's locked away. His freedom taken from him. And I imagine his perspective on life is being challenged on so many fronts. From just the basic being about his future. When, when will I get out? Will I ever get out? And as he does that reflection, as he sits there in his cell, what has my life come to? What have I accomplished? And perhaps the zeal and passion that he once carried himself with is, was starting to fade, had already started to fade, and, and he now needs the confirmation that everything he put his life's work into was worth it. Right, from the wilderness and the river, uh, calling on the crowds to repent, to live a different way, to now in prison, did he get it right? Is Jesus the one? I don't know about you, but sometimes it's really hard to find hope in this world. 
We've witnessed deadly tornadoes sweep through the Midwest, hundreds dead, lives destroyed. The shootings in Michigan, the ripple effects, including here in our communities where school after school after school has gone on lockdown in the past week from potential threats. The new strand of this virus shutting down countries, making its way around the world, homelessness and houselessness and addictions and broken relationships and abuse. And perhaps you're like me, because I find myself asking too, are you, Jesus, the one to come or are we to wait for someone else? But note Jesus' response. It's not one of judgment. There's no disappointment. There's no critique. There's no admonishment. There's no reprimand. And Jesus doesn't answer the question with a simple yes or no. Jesus asks instead, hey, what do you see? What do you hear? The blind have received their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news brought to them and it's as if Jesus is inviting John and now inviting us to examine our own expectations see Jesus didn't come to overthrow governments to take over the world as a king or ruler Jesus didn't come for power but Jesus came to be the embodiment of hope joy peace and love and if that is true do we not see it can we not see hope and joy and love and peace happening around us? That's where you say, yes, we can. This is why we continue to wait. It's because we, we, we can see glimpses of God's beloved community already on earth as it is in heaven. We're, we're committed to the fulfillment of God's preferred future. It's because we can see these glimpses. It's because we can see these glimpses of hope, joy, peace, and love, and already we dare to dream of something more. This week I was uh, facilitating a conversation with some folks on Zoom and I was tasked to, to lead the icebreaker, you know, introduce yourself, what's your name, what are your pronouns, and, and then I came up with this, you know, uh, uh, icebreaker, this question, you know, and, and then name one sign of hope that you've experienced this week. And I, I called on the, the first one, I invited the first person to, to share, and this person immediately said, wow, that's a hard question. And I responded, I said, I know. I know, but try. And they went on to share their name and, and their pronouns and so forth. And, and do you know how I know, how I knew that that was a hard question? Because the day before, I was having a bad day. I was on the phone with a pastor friend colleague of mine who started the question saying, hey, Joe, we're in Advent. Where have you seen hope this week? I had nothing. I couldn't name it. And this friend pushed me and challenged me, no, try, I don't know, come on. Just, just tell me, we're, we're about to talk about, you know, some business or whatever, just try. I only got 30 minutes, that's okay, just try. 
Maybe it's time we intentionally open ourselves to see and hear and experience those glimpses that are happening all around us in the, in the neighbor that checked in and, and brought over their favorite treat to share in the sounds of laughter and in the stories of community coming together and supporting one another in hugs and in game nights and in smiles and ice cream and favorite soups and birthdays. Where do we see these signs of hope? And friends, that's my invitation and my prayer for us as we continue to journey through this Advent season, that, that we might experience the glimpses of hope, joy, peace, and love that is already happening in our midst and that we continue to press on because we're not quite there yet. May we experience all that there is this season as we wait upon the fulfillment and embodiment in the perfect being of Jesus the Christ as we celebrate the birth of our Savior that day knowing that heaven is happening all around us too. Amen? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this time together, for an opportunity to be gathered and be in community, to be connected through those glimpses of hope and joy and peace and love. Open our hearts and our eyes and our ears and our beings to experience all that you have in store. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was our sermon for this third Sunday of Advent. We have one more Sunday to go as we draw closer to Christmas Eve. Uh, we are going to look a little bit closer at the story of Joseph in Matthew. And so uh, stay tuned for that. As a reminder, we are on break for our Thursday episode. We are doing some reimagining and some thinking through how we might um, keep the conversations going as we look at uh, the world through a lens of faith. Uh, we are excited to be sharing some of that as soon as we have it. So uh, stay tuned for that information. In the meantime, have a wonderful, wonderful week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.